We're speaking about uh, it, praising God with eternity in view. Now, boy, I tell you what, you cannot go very far in the Bible without seeing praise as a very much a priority for God's people. He inhabits the praise of His people. One of the reasons you want to praise is because you welcome God's presence when you praise. And when we praise the Lord, we have great uh, blessing. Now, what our, our opposite of that is, is we complain. If we don't like the weather, it's too cold. Who do you think made the weather? I don't appreciate this. Look, you know, you're, you're complaining is very natural for us. If we don't like what we have... We just normally voice it. We tell people, hey, I don't appreciate that, I don't like that, or I don't, I don't like this right here. And boy, negative. And the Bible tells us we ought to think on things that are good and they're holy and just and good report, pure things. But praise is all through the Bible. Matter of fact, they say, I don't really care for praise. You don't want to go to heaven. Because <laughs> heaven's going to be full of praise. And we ought to get ready now. Get a running start before you get there. Decide, you know what, I am not going to go through life walking on my lower lip. Having the pooch mouth disease and having something negative to say about everything. The Bible says that we ought to bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in our mouth. Some of you were glad when you walk in the room. Some of you were glad when you walk out. We want, but it depends if whether you walk in or out. If you're a, if you're a pr positive, praiseful person, people love to be around someone that. If you're a complaining, griping individual, you're going to find yourself sitting by yourself one day wondering why people don't visit you. Because there's nothing there that benefits the ones around us. And praise is something God commands all through the Scriptures. This is Psalm 95, and we believe David wrote it primarily because of what is said about David in Hebrews chapter 4, verse number 7. It gives several verses, seven verses, that invite God's people to praise the Lord. It tells us why we should praise Him and how He enjoys our praise. Then it's going to give a warning. Because the, 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 the other part of it is a warning against letting our heart be hardened and calloused and cold toward God. Just like his people were for 40 years in the wilderness. So seven verses that invite our praise to God that tell us why we should praise him and how we could praise him and when we should praise him. And then we have a few verses that tell us, look, you better be careful or you're going to find yourself without rest. If you look at the last verse of the passage, it tells us there, it says, Unto whom I swear in my wrath that they should not enter into my rest. Doesn't mean they won't go to heaven. But I think what it means is they will never find a solace, and a confidence in God. They will just cripple their way through their Christian life. When you see rest, it primarily doesn't talk about heaven or hell. Heaven is talking, I think, a lot of, a lot of times about the successful Christian life. And, and people who don't learn to praise, and people who have their hearts hardened, you know, one of the most important verses of the Bible that you ought to commit to memory and meditate on is Ephesians 4.32. And be ye kind one to another. What's the next word? You know, if your heart's hard, you're, you're to blame for that. 
you got a hard heart, then, then you can look in the mirror and find the problem. But a soft heart, be tenderhearted. It's a command. Forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. Well, you want to you run through life with a hard heart and grudges on everybody around you, even against the God of heaven. Uh, I don't think you're going to like yourself when you're old. And no one else will either. They'll be frustrated. You, you're not going to have a Christmas time full of joy. You're going to have something frustra- frustration. You're going to blow up and blow a gasket and create, create bad memories for your children, for your grandkids, for your brothers, your sisters. And praise is, I think, an element that helps us with that. Let's look at it real quickly. Begin in verse number one. Oh, come, let us sing unto the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before his presence with thanksgiving and make a joyful noise unto him with what? Psalms. Here's now, it tells us why we should praise the Lord. Number one, for the Lord is a, he's a great God. And I tell you what, if you can't think of anything to praise the Lord for, start thinking about the goodness of God. How great he is. How powerful he is. How merciful he is to us. Well, every once in a while, people get upset about something that's happened to them at the expense of all the things that God's done for them. Most of our days have been good days. Most of our, most of our life has been a good things have happened to us. You live in a great country. You have many blessings that this world would love to have. I think about the little poem that Fanny Crosby gave to, to, uh, to her friends at eight years old. Whenever she was a little infant, her eyes were infected and a drunken physician's assistant, instead of putting something that would help her eyes, he put mustard paste on her eyes and blinded her for her whole life. She lived maybe into her 90s, at least into her 80s, blind the entire time. But at eight years old, she learned something that you and I ought to learn. She wrote down a poem, Oh, what a happy soul am I, although I cannot see. I am resolved that in this world, contented, I will be. I have so many blessings that other people don't. To weep and sigh because I'm blind, I cannot and I won't. That's a girl who was blind physically but had lots of spiritual vision. Most of us, you can see me and I can see you. Most of us, there's a few folks here who cannot hear me. But they can see to see the the lady on the screen or the man and brother John on the screen. They can communicate. But boy, we have so many blessings. He said, look, praise him because he's a great God. You can just look around and see creation and know you got a great God up there. He's done marvelous things for us. The moment we think to utter a, a frustration or a complaint, we ought to look at our God and say, ah, Good night. That's nothing. He is great. Number one, he's a great God. Number two, he has no rival. He's a great king above all gods. You put the God of the Bible against any other God, and they're no match. He really doesn't have a rival. Nobody can do what he has done. He made the heavens and the earth. He made you. You've got so much going on inside of you just to get you to function, to get you here. If you knew all was going on inside of you, you probably wouldn't even want to move. Just to get your eye to see, your ears to hear, your, your, your lungs to breathe, your heart to beat, your liver to function. 
All the things that you don't even think about, they're covered up by skin in their abdomen that has to go right for you and I to function. And God put all that together. He has no rival. He's a great God. He's a great king above all gods. Notice what else we see in the next verse, verse number, verse number four. In his hands are the deep places of the earth, and the strength of the hills are the mountains, the Sierras, the Andes, they're his also. He knows what's going on. You know, I was talking to Brother, Brother Cowling about this very message today, and he helped me. Off the shores of the Philippines, there is a trench that is 36,000 feet deep. That's seven miles below the sea level. Right there in the Philippines. You know who made that, according to the Bible? God. He said, he carved out the deep places. He put the, uh, he put the, the hills, the mountains, they belong to him. Men feel accomplished if they can climb the Himalayas. If they can climb Mount Everest and, and people have died trying to climb it. God says, I own it. It's no big deal to me. He owns it. He, he, he has it. He says, they belong to him. We're talking about reasons we can praise the Lord. Look at verse number five, would you please? Verse number five says, the sea is his and he made it and his hands formed the dry land. On the third day of creation, the first day of creation, God said, let there be light. The second day, he divided the waters from the waters. The third day, he put all the water in one place and he put all the land in another place. About 71% of our, of our world is covered by water. And uh, that's important. And of course, the deep places are, if, if it was just a little bit more than that, if the, if the world was flat then we would all be under 6,000 feet of water. If there were not deep places of the earth to house some of that water. God is, and you know, I think it shows his control and how he's a sustainer of life and his creation, his creative power and his control. You know, how long can you keep yourself alive? How can you fix weather patterns? And once in a while we hear, you know, people, even the Titanic, and I heard about that years ago, how that someone said, even God himself can't sink this ship. Guess what happened within three days later? It was at the bottom of the ocean. And you know, the truth of the matter is, God can do anything. He's got ultimate control and masterful power, and he's creative and beyond measure. Ever think about, you see those little... This week, Linda and I were over in, in, in uh, Guatemala one afternoon. She was walking around and she saw a toucan. You know, that's the little Fruit Loop bird, you know. <laughs> he was old and, and uh, he flew in and got, it, got right there by a tree. And, and uh, an owner came out and got a big stick and put it up there. And that old bird jumped on the stick and he said, night, night. And he put him in a closet. And uh, you think about that, but you see that little bird and all those bright colors, you can't make crayons to look like that. Have you ever been into a, some of these, uh, uh, these beautiful uh, ocean waters where you see all the different color fish and you're thinking, how do you get such vibrant colors? It's because we have a very controlling, creative, powerful God. And he's worthy of our praise. Why should we praise Him? 
uh, because he's a great God. Why should we praise him? Because he doesn't have a rival. There's no one compares to him. There's none like him. And he's very, he's in control. I said controlling, but he's just, you know, he is. He, he maintains things. He controls. Um, I'm always amazed at just thinking, how many cows have to die just to make McDonald's hamburgers? Does that ever mess with you or not? Not to think about Texas Roadhouse and <laughs> Fleming's or wherever else you would get a steak. I'm not kidding you. I didn't think, I, I can't imagine the food supply of the world. How, how it goes around. How it just go to the store and just buy some more. It's amazing. I mean, how many shrimp are there really in the world, you know? <laughs> think about all these things that happened and, and think, you know, we got a great God. He's very controlling. He knows how to control things. He knows how to create things. He knows the power. He knows how to provide. Has it ever occurred to you that nothing ever occurred to God? He's not nervous about anything. Well, there are things that kind of stress me out from time to time. And that's why he says, cast all your care upon, because I care about you. He's a God who is worthy of our praise, a great God. He knows no rival. He's creative. He's, he, he has control. Look at the next thought, if you could please, in verse number, verse number uh, seven. For he is our God. Now, the things we could praise him for is because he belongs to you. And you belong to him. Now I belong to Jesus. Jesus belongs to me. Not for the years of time alone, but for eternity. You know, I, I'm, I'm glad I got saved. A church cannot save you. Baptism cannot save you. It cannot give you eternal life. You need Jesus. Amen. Only Jesus can give forgiveness of sin. Only Jesus can give eternal life. I'm so glad for the day that someone loved me enough to take the Bible, not a catechism and not a, not a Baptist book. They didn't give me rules or a creed. They just showed me from the Bible how I could know for sure when life's over, I could go to heaven, how I could have Jesus and I could have him. So why should I praise him? Because he is our God. Is God your God? Do you belong to him? So important that he knows you and that you know him and you're in him and he's in you. These are things we can praise. Lord. Why should we praise God? Oh, he's a great God. He has no rival. He has great control. He has amazing creativity and has all power. And he offers himself to us. He says, I'll be yours if you want me to be, John. He says, come unto me, all you labor heavy laden. I'll give you rest. Take my yoke. We can work together. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the shall be saved. Well, I'm so grateful that he's my God. I remember that moment it took place for me. Do you remember when it took place for you? If you don't remember when he became yours, maybe because you weren't there. And that needs to happen tonight. Amen. Don't leave tonight. If you're not sure, if you die, you can go to heaven. Humble yourself and let someone take the Bible and show you how to be saved. Well, that's why we should praise him. And boy, we can think of a lot more, but that's what the psalmist said. How should we praise him? How do we give him 
the reverence that he deserves. How's a way we can praise him? You know, Linda, since we got married 34 years ago, has tried to make meals that I like. Now, we have totally different taste buds. She has to fix for me something that she knows she wouldn't like. We just don't, we don't have a lot of things we like together in our food taste. She likes Oriental food. And I can eat Oriental food, and I can eat Chinese, and I can eat Thai food, and it's all great, and it's good, and I can find something I like. But if I had my choice, I'd probably go to a barbecue restaurant. And she says, gag a maggot, John. Why do we have to eat this again? We, that's barbecue. That's just plain Jane. You've got to have spices, John. Uh, hot is fine with me, you know. Boy, just put some barbecue sauce on it. We're good to go. We've got difference. But you know what? When she makes a plate, she's thinking, I want John to like this. And I'm thankful for that. I didn't get this way by breathing. At the same time, at the same, we ought to praise the Lord in the way that he would like to be praised. That's one of the wicked things about church today is, is we give God the praise we want to. We give him the songs we like. We play the instruments we want to play. We, we, we worship God like we are, just like we come as we are. And you know, there's something about that. God inhabits the praise of his people. But he has a little bit of taste. Certain things he kind of likes. Let's look at what he likes for us to do. Number one. Verse number one, O come, let us what? Let us make a joyful noise, the rock of our salvation. He likes to be praised in song. Now, some of you, you have a hard time with that. Now, everyone likes music. Everyone likes music. Even if you can't carry a tune with a handle, with a bucket on it. Uh, a bucket, with a handle on it, excuse me. Even if you can't, you say, I'm not, I'm not really good musical. I remember one guy said, I can't stand music. And he had a t-shirt that said ACDC on it. Well, I think he likes music. And we can like right or wrong, but he said, I want you to praise me with song. I want to encourage you to consider the next time you can open a songbook, open it. Amen. I don't care if you're 13 or 85. I don't care if you know all the verses by memory. You probably ought to look it up and let's sing our lungs out to the Lord. Amen. He wants us to sing. Some of you precious people, you, God's dealt with your heart about singing in the choir or playing an instrument. And you know, you haven't done it yet. And I'm not here to beat you up. That's between you and the Lord. But there's a few seats open. There's opportunities for you to sing publicly in praise to the Lord. How many have been blessed by the singing tonight? Man, it's blessed me so much. And it blesses God first and foremost. Music always starts in the heart and it's for the Lord. If you think music is for you, you are just a, you're the, you're the byproduct of it. You, 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 it's for God. And it starts in our hearts and making melody in your heart to the Lord. He said, I want you to praise him in song. Number two, he wants you to praise him verbally. Look at verse number two, would you please? The Bible says, let us come before his presence with thanksgiving and make a joyful noise unto him with Psalms. He wants us to verbally express our gratitude. You see the word thanksgiving there. We just finished thanksgiving as a nation. But thanks and thanksgiving are two different things. I would say, if I ask you tonight, how many are thankful for good food, good friends, a good church, a, 
a good family, how many would say, yeah, I'm thankful for that? Most all of us would be. Well, you have not given thanks yet. It's a difference to, to be thankful than giving the thanks. And the Bible says, in everything, give thanks. Why? This is the, it's the will of God. He said, when you come, I want you to verbalize how you feel and what you appreciate about God. He likes to hear what you like about him. He likes to hear what you appreciate about him. I don't think, I think we're made in God's image. How many would say I'm kind of like God in that way? If I do something or someone, I really, I'll do it even if they don't thank me, but I kind of appreciate at least a token like, that's really nice of you. Thank you. I'll never forget what you did for me. I appreciate that. We like to hear it, and God wants to hear it. He's praised whenever we sing. He's praised whenever we verbally express our gratitude to him. Look at the next thought, if you would, please. He's praised in, in verse number six, O come, let us worship. And then I want you to notice the next one, and do what? Now, in our Western culture, fewer and fewer people are willing to bow the knee. Brother Cowling, Brother Pete Cowling goes out to a graveside at Memory Lane every Saturday morning or most of the time, even in the coldest day. And he'll usually fall on his face before the Lord and begin telling God how much he loves him. He goes to grave sites where his loved ones have passed on and grandbabies are there. And he thanks God for that. But you know, Brother Cowling, how old are you, 106 or how old are you? 84 years old. Tom Williams, our good preacher, will be with us in March, Lord willing. But that guy is up there too. He's pushing, pushing 80, 90 years old. But whenever it's time to pray, guess what that old cowboy does? He bows down, bows the knee. And I realize some of us physically, you just, you pass that. God bless you. But many of us, we're not past that except here. You got too much pride, too much arrogance to bow the knee. He said, he, Jesus, I, I didn't write this. This is what God said. He said, when you praise me, sometimes you ought to bow down and fall prostrate and put your, fall on your knees and, and ask the Lord to help you. Humble yourself. Occasionally, I think some people, the first time they'll come to the front of the church is going to be in a casket when they wheel them in. Sometimes, I'm not saying every service, but occasionally you ought to consider, you know, God spoke to me. I think I need to humble myself and find a way to that front and talk to the Lord about that. Why would we do it? It's not for me. We're not taking pictures of people. We're not, we're not, not counting how many people came down here. It's not for us. It's for him. He said, I'd like for you to sing to me and praise me. I'd like for you to verbalize your feelings toward me and your gratitude toward me when you talk to me. I'd, I'd like also occasionally just to bow down and worship me. And then we find the next thought here is, he says, I want you to bow down and worship. And then uh, he, says, he says in verse number six, and let us kneel before the Lord our maker. And then he says not only why we should worship him, how we should worship. These just once again, this is one psalm. You could read the whole book of Psalms in many places where you see great people who knew heart of God. By the way, it's one of the reasons why you want to read the Psalms, because David understood something about God. 
He understood how God thought. He understood how God felt. And he understand, understood what God wanted. Remember, he was a man after God's own heart. And when, if David wrote this, he understood this about God. He said, you know what? He wants our praise. Here's how he would like it. In song, in verbal affirmation and gratitude. He'd like to have it uh, occasionally when you bow down and worship him as, her, as our maker. Hey, we're the pot. He's the potter. No one pulls himself up by their own bootstraps. And then he says, I'll tell you when you ought to praise the Lord. Today. Today, if you will hear his voice and his prompting for us to praise him, you should do it now. So, Pastor, I'm, I'll do that later. You don't even know you have later. He said, you ought to do it when God prompts you to praise him. Today, if you'll hear his voice. Then he says, the warning, harden not your hearts is in the day of provocation. There's two times that God allowed his people. Exodus chapter 17, Numbers chapter 20. Two times in the wilderness where God allowed his people to go to a place where there was not fresh water. And he was checking to see what they would do. The first time, they got mad. They said, God is not with us. And God had done so many things. I mean, he'd already taken them out of Egypt with the blood sack. He'd already taken them to the, the Red Sea. He'd already given them so many blessings. They're, they're, they're enjoying and spoiling the Egyptians. He had done unbelievable things for them. And now they hit a rock wall and they don't find water. And they say, you know, God's not even with you. He didn't care about us. You know, I think I see myself in that sometimes. God has blessed us so much. He said, don't harden your heart like, like they did. The second time in Numbers chapter 20, that's when Moses smote the rock. Remember that? He said, what's the big deal about smiting the rock? Well the, well, the rock is Jesus. And he was smitten the first time. And he did it two times. He hit the rock the first time. Now, Numbers chapter 20, God says, I don't want you to hit the rock. I want you to speak to the rock. And by the way, how many times did Jesus have to be smitten? One time. Now, he had, to, he, had to be die, he had to die so you and I could live. You know how we get to him today? Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord. We get to speak to the rock. So you don't have to be hit twice. It was a big deal to God, and Moses didn't go to the promised land. But they complained like this in Numbers 20. We should have just stayed in Egypt. I wish we were back in the world. I wish we were back. I just got to do what I used to be doing, back in the world. And he just like, really? And he said it wasn't, it wasn't their circumstances. It was the hardness of their heart. By the way, you have a hard heart tonight. If you do, you probably know. If your heart's soft, you probably know. If there's been some things that's calloused your thinking, I hope to goodness you will go to God and say, God, I want to get this settled. I do not want to be somebody who has a hard heart. There's a warning about it. At the end, he says, look, it's your choice. You can praise me with gratitude and thanksgiving. You can bow the knee now, or you can run the rest of your existence like the Israelites did, running around Mount Sinai for 40 years, chasing their tail, and complaining about a God who provided for them even in their rebellion. You know, I don't know about you. I'd like to end my life right. 
I'd like to end my life whenever it ends, whenever God, be it by trauma or disease or old age, however I exit this world, I'd like to exit a praise-filled Christian. And not someone who's got a hard heart, angry, frustrated, bitter, mad. Because he said, these folks are not going to enter into my rest. I'm not going to give rest to a complaining jerk. I'm going to give rest to someone who is a praise-filled person. Praising God with eternity in view. Let's pray together, can we?